Glavin's going to be able to go in game one, but they've got to get more than six innings out of him. You know, hopefully you can get seven, maybe push him to eight, depending on what kind of lead you have. And, you know, after that, it's just way up in the air because you're going to have Traxel in game two, John Main, and then, nice. heaven forbid, Oliver Perez is supposed All right. to go in game four for the New York Mets. So Good times. They've got to get at least, you know, four innings. I'll say four innings out of the, the three and four starters and get seven out of Glavin, maybe six out of Traxel. But uh, if they don't get like that out of their starters, um, I, I think the Cardinals might be able to pull it out. All right, we'll have to see how it plays out. It'll be a pretty fun week. And stay tuned to WCBN Daily Sports Report, Tuesday through Thursday, 5.15, and Friday night from 7 to 10, game of the week. We didn't get to Michigan hockey. I assume they're still going to be playing some other time, so we'll talk about them later. For Tony Bolton, Scooter Montgomery, Rob Solomon, and Steve Schuster, I'm Ted Pickus. Thanks for listening, and as always, Go Blue. You are listening to your home for Michigan Athletics, 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Locate us on the web at WCBN.org. 15 seconds remain. Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot. Save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six seconds remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. No me diga. Estás moviendo bien, como que bien te muevas. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley and I'm supposing that Jim is on his way. Sometimes there's uh, problems finding parking around uh, our wonderful uh, station down here of WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. In any event, uh, kind of uh, a strange week with the uh, the almost the overemphasis on the Foley scandal. Um, just a quick correction, by the way. At one point last week, I did mistakenly call Mark Foley Tom Foley. Uh, I think I got his name right the other two times, but uh, it is Mark Foley. Tom Foley, of course, was the Speaker of the House for the Democrats, uh, who replaced Jim Wright back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and. Uh, I think the only relevant thing at this point, you know, let's forget about all the gory details. Um, obviously, his conduct was inappropriate, uh, but this is not a crime against humanity. And the real scandal here, of course, is the is the abuse of power, uh, both by potentially by Mark Foley, but also by the Republican leadership. It's quite clear that, uh, as I predicted last week, Denny Hastert uh, was not going to be long for this world. Uh, they just had a, a poll out this uh, 
today that I just wanted to remark on. 52% of Americans think he should resign. 31 think he shouldn't. 17 are unsure. That doesn't bode well for the man. Um, and uh, when, you know, you have uh, House Republicans all over the country canceling campaign appearances uh, involving, you know, Mark ha- uh, Denny Hastert, um, as Keith Oberman sort of wryly noted, well, that puts him out in the cold. George Bush is out in the cold. They can campaign together <laughs> because the Republicans seems to be uh, seem to be distancing themselves from both of these characters, except of course in areas where, to quote one Republican, uh, you have to act like a Republican, which means you need to associate yourself with chewing tobacco, pickup trucks, NASCAR, and guns. <laughs> And I thought, boy, that's the kind of woman I'm looking for. (laughs) Somebody that chews tobacco, drives a pickup truck, and can fire a gun. Anyway, uh, just a couple of quick brain damage awards on this whole thing. We can't allow this uh, diversions here. I think that it was fascinating for me. I I really only sort of watched cable television uh, one night last week, Wednesday, while I was waiting for the Tiger game to start, and of course it never happened. It was a rainout, but uh, uh, it was just amazing to see, for the first time in probably two years, Sean Hannity uh, paired up with Ann Coulter. Their talking points were remarkable. Um, two intellectual heavyweights there. Yeah, Ann Coulter was going on about wiretapping, thinking that, uh, oh, the Democrats want to go into the emails, but, you know wiretapping of al-Qaeda is, they're weak on that, you know, and, well, Sean Hannity was uh, the blooming idiot that he is. We'll just give him a brain damage award for being Sean Hannity. He was talking about the Bill Clinton sex scandal and Gary Studs. He never mentioned Dan Crane, by the way, that was connected to that uh, page scandal from the 80s. Joe Scarborough at one point, I'm going to give him a quick brain damage award, he appeared on Matthews' show as an analyst, and he said that he was part of the Republican leadership in 1998 that asked Newt to resign because he, quote, wasn't conservative enough. And that's not what happened. What happened was the Republicans lost five seats in the 98 elections while they were trying to promote the Clinton sex scandal, which went on for well over a year. And Newt, of course, was having an affair with his aide. That's why he was forced to resign. It had nothing to do with his uh, conservative politics. This is just an outright disinformation rewriting of history. Um, Needless to say, the Republicans, of course, then did pursue the impeachment. A lame duck session of Congress did this, which made it all the more outrageous that it ever happened. So this is about the abuse of power. What did they know? When did they know it? And when didn't they do anything about it? That's what it's going to be all about. Um, It's very obvious that Tom Reynolds in New York is history. He's now down 15 points in the the polls. He was up by five uh, just three weeks ago. So individual members of Congress are going to suffer. There's going to be a tsunami against uh, the Republican Party, but I don't think the Foley scandal is... This is sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. It's not why the Republicans are going down in this particular election season. No pun intended. Yeah. Um, interesting article in the Times today, uh, joining the program late. Difficult to find parking out That's there this what afternoon. I and, remarked. Uh, 
You know, what can you say? Anyway, the uh, interesting article uh, on the today's Times is uh, headlined, Evangelicals Blame Foley, Not Republican Party. Uh-huh. So this is an interesting attempt already to kind of throw some spin towards the grand old party's way. And really it's an attempt to make this by they're interviewing people as they come uh, out from a Christian rock concert. And... The general consensus amongst these evangelicals, or this particular group of evangelicals, seems to be that, uh, well, we're not going to blame the party for this. This is an individual indiscretion, but they don't even say indiscretion. Uh, You get some interesting quotes that the Democratic Party is, quote, the party that is tolerant of, maybe more so than Republicans, of that lifestyle. Says somebody who can't even name uh, homosexuality. And then later we've got uh, another individual coming out of the Christian rock concert who says there is a bigger moral issue, which I would say is the prism I view this through. I do not believe in homosexuality. Well, I don't believe in Christian rock either, but it does exist, and I wouldn't deny its existence. And there's a, a serious attempt to make the Foley scandal about homosexuality. Yeah, that's a and huge... It, and, and this is classic yeah. Republican fodder. That's how they were able to get the paranoid votes out uh, the last time around because of the whole gay marriage thing. Uh, I lived in D.C. for a couple of years. Mars was going to school there. We had friends who were congressional pages. And these are, you know, young college girls in this particular case. They got groped all the time. Sure. Uh, and it happens quite frequently. Now, <laughs> there's all sorts of romanticism of the, you know, oh, this is young idealism and so forth. But come on, there's some old geezers in there and there's some young players and schemers. Mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of shenanigans that have gone on since, you know, the whole setup began. Exactly. Uh, we're really just talking about human nature, and it, it, the fact is that it's so richly steeped in irony here, I think. That's what's hilarious. That's what makes it so hilarious. Not as hilarious as Fox News, though, yeah. who in their endless... I don't know if you already mentioned this before I came down, but when this story was first breaking, when they were showing images of Foley on TV, they had him listed as a Democrat from Florida. That was done, as Keith Olbermann pointed out, on the Bill O'Reilly show. And that, as he noted, was not live. That was a taped show. Right. And they did this several times. Um, wow, that is just in-your-face falsehood. Yeah, I mean, and, and they're in denial over at Fox News because they're having all kinds of uh, issues with their 10th anniversary. Um, the uh, Fair and Balanced Network is, uh, well... About as fair as a uh, yeah. poke in the eye. Losing their perspective. But, uh, yeah, the, the homosexual angle has got nothing to do with this. This is really about abusive power. Abusive power. And, of course, the possible cover-up and... More importantly, in, at, at some level, there may actually have been a payoff here. Uh, it's been widely reported that when this was brought to the attention of Tom Reynolds, he is what's known as the he's the man that doles out the money for the House Republican Campaign Committee, basically. And apparently Foley gave him $100,000 of his own money. He's got a big war chest uh, down there in Palm Beach. And uh, that really is where this scandal needs to be investigated. As for Denny Hastert, he sort of reminds me of a 
cross between Winnie the Pooh and uh, a walrus. I mean, he's <laughs> he's looking like a, a bloated frog in the headlights uh, this last week. The, the bear in him is the wrestling coach. Uh, yeah, that's got all sorts of connotations. <laughs> Indeed it does. As I Maureen Dowd uh, has noted, <clears throat> I would love to see Denny Hastert and George Bush do a little wrestling out there on the campaign tour. <laughs> that might be good for some manly Republican votes down there in the South where they chew tobacco, drive pickup trucks, and are into guns. Greco-Roman style. Yeah, Greco-Roman, hopefully. <laughs> Naked. <laughs> Tatum O'Neill. Naked. Um... Wanted to give out a brain damage award to Condoleezza Rice. Uh, she had a bad week, but uh, luckily her bad week was sort of obscured <laughs> by the Foley scandal, uh, as it's being called. She went to Iraq. This is a woman that makes a surprise visit to Iraq last week. She flies around Baghdad for 45 minutes before they can find a safe area for her to land. And she makes the incredible statement that the Iraqis are, quote, making progress. This, of course, follows a week in which she denied that the um, meeting on July 10th had, quote, taken place with the CIA regarding al-Qaeda warnings. Alas, CIA records confirm that uh, Condoleezza Rice was uh, heavily warned about al-Qaeda on July 10th. I think that the uh, notion that she's going to be a Republican candidate in 2008 is about as likely as Brady Quinn winning the Heisman. I think that that parade can be tossed in the ash bin of history. She's never going to be able to answer these questions. She can't answer them. because She's obviously covering things up. Well, and it's really... A mystery as to what she does at all. And how you can claim Iraq is making progress when we've just seen pretty much the worst month of both Iraqi deaths, sectarian violence. The the number of Americans that have died in the last 30 days is up to like 90. I mean, it's it's staggering what's going on in Iraq. And for Condoleezza Rice to make a statement <laughs> from, you know, six miles up, circling, it looks pretty good. And, of course, the incredible thing is uh, it, 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 counter, it, it conflicted with uh, a statement that uh, John, uh, John Warner, of all right. people, the chairman of the Armed Services Committee, was making about the problems in Iraq and that we may need to rethink our policy. Yeah, so when you have a hawk like him... Uh, Jumping off the parade bandwagon, um, it's just amazing uh, cool. that the White House staffer, a Condoleezza Rice, can say something like that. In fact, just last week, it was it was basically one of the worst weeks uh, ever um, for the American uh, military, and that doesn't even include all of these just atrocious things that are going on. Uh, with uh, bodies showing up and poisonings going on. Right, some sort of gas. The military has pointed out uh, themselves that 4,000 Iraqi policemen have died in the last two two years. I mean, this is just that's not information progress. that's in the media. <laughs> it's not progress. Um, so Condoleezza Rice needs to uh, take the bulletproof vest off. Uh, she's the last person they would assassinate because she's <laughs> such... A moron. Well, before we move on, I want to talk about uh, Jim Baker III's Iraq study group, which oh, yeah. is related to John Warner's uh, comments. But first, I want to read about two paragraphs from this 
uh, item by Gideon Levy, uh, who writes for the uh, Israeli paper Haaretz. This appeared on uh, the Counterpunch website, counterpunch.org, and it's entitled Air Condi, the Mystery of America. It happens once every few months, like a periodic visit by an especially annoying relative from overseas, Condoleezza Rice was here again. The same declarations, the same texts devoid of content, the same sycophancy, the same official aircraft heading back to where it came from. The results were also the same. Israel promised in December, after a stormy night of discussions, to open the, quote, safe passage between the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. This time, in what was considered the achievement of the current visit, Israel also promised to open the Karnai Crossing. Karnai will be open, one can assume, only slightly more than the safe passage, which never opened following the previous futile visit. Rice has been here six times in the course of a year and a half. And what has come of it? Has anyone asked her about this? Does she ask herself? <laughs> it is hard to understand how the Secretary of State allows herself to be so humiliated. It is even harder to understand how the superpower she represents allows itself to act in such a hollow and useless way. The mystery of America remains unsolved. How is it that the United States is doing nothing to advance a solution to the most dangerous and lengthiest conflict in the world? How is it that the world's only superpower, which has the power to quickly facilitate a solution, does not lift a finger to promote it? What happened since 1956 when the U.S. made Israel withdraw from the Sinai overnight with a single telephone call immediately after the Third Kingdom of Israel speech by the strongest Israeli leader of all times, David Ben-Gurion? Now, as the occupation continues for years, with a government no less dependent on the good graces of the U.S. than in the past, why is America a bystander? And he goes on for about another page and a half there, but some pretty good questions, and his work can be found in Haaretz and is worth reading also online. It appear, uh, appears to be entirely pointless. Well, and I think that the inaction of the Bush administration on the wider Middle East policy is, I mean, so illustrative of it was the, the, the you know, Ernie Harwell was uh, doing a Tiger game the other night, had that great expression. He took that one like the old house by the side of the road and watched it go by. <laughs> that was an old expression yeah. that he used to use when he described a batter taking the third strike. Well, that perfectly describes the Bush, the Bush Middle East yeah. policy with respect to the uh, Palestinian-Israeli um, conflict. Numerous opportunities yes. to put forward real development and nothing. So, yeah, they uh, watched it uh, like the house by the side of the road and watched it go by. Real quickly, by the way, I'll just give out a brain damage award to the leader, the Palestinian premier of Hamas, when he, you know, says blatantly, we will not recognize Israel. This, of course, is at the heart of some of the, shall we say, public ability of the Bush administration to label Hamas a terrorist organization, that they can't do uh, negotiations, et cetera, et cetera. There are obviously domestic reasons for this, but I think that this is an ill-advised public position to be taking. I think they should recognize Israel and get back to the negotiating table. Um, yeah, the one thing that the articles don't usually go into, though, is that large part of the reason that that's the position is that Recognition of Israel requires, on Israel's part, uh, a rejection of all Palestinian rights of return. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the sticking point, is when you think about all the people in Gaza who are, in fact, refugees and are the grandchildren of refugees, um, that's largely the, the context within which that denial is, is put forward. But uh, 
that itself needs to be taken into account. And, you know, maybe we should be working towards not a two-state solution, but, you know, the old uh, great idea of a binational secular state is, you know, another possible alternative to the Israeli-Palestinian. Obviously, that's something that Israel is not going to be interested in, but uh, it is another... uh, Option. Yeah, and one wonders if the so-called Baker, James Baker, the third committee will address this, uh, because when you have an Iraq study group, this is so reminiscent, yeah. by the way, of uh, the famous instance during the Vietnam War when Lyndon Johnson assembled the, quote, wise men. Uh, you, you may remember this. This is a famous. And of course, it turns out that Bush uh, has his own little entourage of wise men. Apparently, uh, one of the more interesting revelations from the Woodward book that I've yet to read is that Henry Kissinger is a frequent consultant. He's so smart. He's an expert on winning wars. And as he keeps telling Bush, and this is what is very troubling, victory is the only meaningful exit strategy, unquote. Well, we've seen that Bush pursues this concept of victory. And I wish that the American media would get rid of the football uh, analogies to war, because war is not like football. It's more like baseball. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what George Carlin says, but go ahead. There's 27 outs. You know, the metaphors for football are perfect. The bomb, you know, the ground ground attack, the air attack, blah, blah, blah. So many of the uh, lexicon... Metaphorical, Meta- images, metaphorical yeah. images of football are, are more uh, appropriate to war, and certainly uh, football is and war are very analogous. But people need to think of it like baseball as well. There are 27 outs, mm. and uh, there's no clock. True. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you have to uh, realize that these things don't, they don't really end, and... Uh, James, you know, why there's even a meeting of the wise men to give Bush advice about how to get out of Iraq or attain victory is remarkable. It makes you think that maybe the people who run the wheels of industry are behind the scenes saying, you know, look, this guy really is a complete idiot and this is bad for the country. Looked pretty good at first, a lot of money rolling in to different companies and concerns, but uh, no, we've got to change, change plans. Yeah. And so that I mean that's the association that Baker has. I mean he is of course previously connected to the uh, Bush the father's administration and it was so nice they could all get together and rub elbows and christen a nuclear vessel over the weekend. I thought that was great that they christen a uh, ship of war. Yeah, while while the the mouse that roared uh releases a nuclear device apparently right. in in North Korea. They are the mouse that roared, by the way. Don't buy any of the hype that somehow North Korea is some danger to the world. They're surrounded by China, America, and Russia. That's who's on their borders, effectively, because it's important. Remember that the United States still has 37,000 troops in South Korea. And, uh, and military presence in Japan. And North Korea is about as isolated and small a country as there probably is on the planet. They are definitely the mouse that roared. Uh, some analysts are saying that this is a specific policy to show America that they deserve direct negotiations with the American government um, and that this will get their our attention. But uh, I think that this is another example of fairly... Uh, 
negligent uh, foreign policy by the Bush administration. They've sort of sidetracked and sidelined this whole thing, punted the football, so to speak. And I, you know, legitimately put uh, some faith in the so-called six-country negotiation process, which obviously has failed. But North Korea has got no allies. They are not part of the any axis of evil and all of the other propagandistic rhetoric that's uh, that the Bush administration has utilized over the years. Um, by the way, the, I, this is not an event that's going to help George Bush somehow attain victory from the jaws of defeat in this uh, upcoming political season because I don't think most Americans quite understand that uh, all the issues involved with North Korea. This is a very secretive regime. Uh, Reliable information is very uncertain. And there are actually some mainstream experts that this is where I defer uh, to what they think because I don't know anything about North Korea other than apparently Kim Jong-il likes to watch Daffy Duck cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, was nicely satirized in the Team America films as a just a lonely little boy. Yeah, he's he's pretty pathetic. He's a very little man in many ways. And they, they are the, one of the strangest uh, sort of government entities of all time. Talk about the cult of personality. <laughs> just weird. Well, it almost makes you long for the days when Jesse Helms was still around and was uh, in charge of Foreign Relations Committee and referred to him as Kim Jong the Third. Yeah. Those were good times for the Republicans. Good times. (laughs) Well, uh, there's some interesting language that's come out of this Baker Iraq study group that that I want to talk about for a little bit. Um, Interviewed on all the Sunday uh, chat shows. I mean, this is just such a logical and obvious statement that it's remarkable that it's come this late and that it has to be kind of edged in. I mean, the, the Bush administration grudgingly acknowledged that this committee would serve a purpose. Um, but Jim Baker says, in my view, it's not appeasement to talk to your enemies. Absolutely. Exactly. I mean, and that's the approach that the Bush team has had is that, no, that shows a sign of weakness. We won't, you know, not going to mm-hmm. negotiate. We don't negotiate with terrorists, blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, let's see here, uh, is a quote from, this is a Stephen Hadley, a National Security Advisor, talking about Mr. Baker. Um, and this is a quote from which can be plucked the real kernels of truth here. This is the full quote. But he, Baker, feels that the yearning for some responsible way out of the war in Iraq, which would not damage American interests, is palpable, and the frustration level is exceedingly high. Well, if you comb the extra verbiage out of that, you get another very obvious logical statement. The yearning for some way out is palpable. Mm -hmm. Everybody with half a brain has come to the conclusion that this is bad for America, this is bad for the, you know, defeat of the concept of terror this is bad for the region this is bad for energy concerns and prices i mean there's really nothing good about this war at all and uh so there you go i mean you get to cushion it in all this language to make sure that american interests are at heart but let's face it the numbers are in everybody's against the war yeah, and, and this this concept of saving face is, has always been one of America's uh, big problems in foreign policy. There is a inferiority complex that, that people have. There's this inability 
to to continually talk about American prestige. Well, we know American what prestige. There's yeah. very little left. We know that it's declining. I mean, uh, let me see if I can find this little item from Turkey uh, that I actually brought in that I just had. I'll find it. Ah, here it is. It's it's about this uh, this transatlantic trends poll of European and American public opinion on a hundred point thermo uh, thermometer scale. Excuse me, uh, with a hundred being the friendliest. Turkish attitudes towards the United States fell twenty degrees from 28 degrees in the past two years. In other words, it doesn't actually say that it's down to eight, but that's where it is. (laughs) Over the period, feelings towards Iran increased to 43 degrees from 34 degrees. So this is an example. Turkey is is an ostensibly an American ally. They're trying to get into the EU. They're part of NATO. And this is... Yeah, I mean, this is amazing, but this is this is the truth. This is where the Bush administration has taken us with its arrogance, its stupidity, its dishonesty, and all of that. James Baker, to his credit, uh, despite some baggage uh, that he has with the Bush family that's connected to the right. Carlisle Group, indeed, the financial connections, he's a longtime friend of George Bush's father. I'll give him credit for, for just and, and acknowledge that that's just a fact. Uh, he's looking out for the his, Bush the father here. Indeed. Because Bush the father knows, as his top advisors have been spouting off in these uh, mainstream books, uh, George Bush uh, is not happy with how his son has conducted foreign policy. Despite what he said over the weekend at the yeah. boat christening. He just isn't. Um, he can't be. And Brent Scowcroft was one of the more vocal mainstream critics before the war and before the congressional resolution ever got started. So Baker and Scowcroft are more moderate, and Baker, having been a former Secretary of State, uh, at least does understand the concept of diplomacy uh, as a part of America's uh, interest, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, we'll see, but, I mean, it's a classic example. We will... (laughs) Get the report from the Baker Commission, you know, six months from now, before we determine that what we're doing there is wrong and a mistake. Yeah, it says here in this article in today's Times that uh, in interviews, members of the study group have privately expressed concerns that within months, whatever course the group recommended could be overtaken by the chaos in Iraq. That's how bad it is over there. Yeah, and it's similar to the North Korea qua- uh, situation in that the reality, or <laughs> it's just like Denny Hastert, there's no good option. It doesn't matter whether Hastert resigns or stays. He's a walrus looking like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, he just has a, a hapless image, and there's nothing that really can be done uh, unless he falls on his sword. I don't know if they can find a sword big enough, but uh, King Arthur may have one in the old days. Maybe John Angler can be found. Don't to hold be one. fooled either, by the way, by this, this, these splashy headlines about the Dow Jones Industrial reaching a uh, record close. This has been trumpeted in the mainstream media. As Floyd Norris notes, t- uh, 20 of the 30 Dow stocks are actually down since the record high. And uh, when it compared to other uh, indices, the stock market is still down from Overall. previous highs. So right. this is a misleading headline designed, 
Well, I mean, it's a, it's an indice, but it's an index. But uh, the facts are, uh, the stock market has not performed as well as the mainstream media would lead you to believe. And get ready for oil prices to jump back up again because the OPEC uh, ministers have called for a cut in output. And the uh, goal on their part is to stop the prices from falling uh, below 60 a barrel. Which, of course, what were oil uh, prices per barrel before the Iraq War? 27. Okay. <laughs> so it's momentarily slightly down now, but it's a long way off from what they were before pointless conflagrations. And, of course, there was a jobs report out um, last uh this weekend, there, by the way, there will be 